What's your earliest memory? Um, it's a good question. I don't really think about that. Probably. I, I mean, I have things that I think are possibly memories from pretty early on in life, but I don't know exactly how accurate they are. Human memory is notoriously not particularly accurate. Do you remember that scene in Waking Life where they talk about how if you look at a photograph, you cre- recreate a story of it for mm-hmm. your memory? Oh, yeah. That's kind of like what that is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it absolutely is. Well, I mean, continuously, right? You have memories pop up in your brain and they're infused with the moments that they pop up into your life and it kind of comes with this whole other background package. Yeah. That just I feel there. I have I feel I have three or four like consistent stories I've told since I mean as far back as I can remember. Right. And that always makes me think that maybe those are pretty accurate. Like maybe I didn't add a lot to them because they have been so consistent, you know? Um but I don't know. But what are your what, what's like your earliest stuff you can think of? I remember getting. Uh, I remember being really scared of the hallway at the house on Mariposa. Oh yeah. And I remember walking through the hallway and just being really scared, but wanting to play. I think like I had set up one of those little plastic um, basketball hoops mm-hmm. on top of like a um, like a laundry basket of some yeah. sort or something, like at the end of the hallway. And I remember like wanting to play with that, but being very scared of the hallway. It was like really late. I think I was up kind of by myself. How, and, how old do you think you were? Oh man, I mean, this had to be three, four, yeah. probably something yeah. like that. I mean, mom and dad got divorced when I was what five? Yeah, five and six. That'd so be. that would be the right time period for the Mariposa house. Yeah, just before. I mean, we 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 didn't live there very long without dad. Right. Before we moved out. Right. We moved over to Laurel. I also have a memory of dad sleeping on the couch for Christmas. Whoa, really? Yeah, I have I have no idea. Like I said, I mean, who knows whether or not these are real true memories or anything. But that's but. something that, I mean, I don't know why you would fabricate a story around something <laughs> that would lead you to that, unless it actually, unless you actually saw it or witnessed it. I mean, it could have been dad taking a nap, and then you'd be parlayed that into... Right, right, yeah. Ex- yeah, the only thing I know, or that I don't know, the only thing that I think I remember is... Um, dad laying on this really big long couch that we had and uh, the Christmas tree being there and that, that old TV that was like part of the cabinet oh, yeah. that we had. You mm-hmm. know, remember that thing? Yeah. We had that for a long time. Yeah, um, and uh, I remember dad sleeping on the couch and that's that's about it. It's just little flashes, little flashes. And that's that's pretty much what I have up until I have some memories of, like playing with friends and stuff like that on Mariposa. Um, the do toys. Yeah, the Duthoids, exactly. Yeah, yeah. My my first kiss. Yeah, Mark, <laughs> Lisa. Was it Lisa Duthoy? Uh, Lisa yeah. Duthoy. Yeah. Gosh. Yep. Um, and I have memories of that neighborhood because I hung out in that neighborhood so much later in life. Um, yeah. Because Beer Sam lived over there, yeah. and um, the Mucklevanes lived there. I mean, I had tons of friends that lived in that neighborhood, so I was always in that neighborhood hanging out. Um, I got See, my I never face kicked back. in by a Nazi at the Seven Eleven there. Oh yeah. I never went back. I mean, when we moved. I didn't really have any reason to go to like to the Mariposa neighborhood anymore. Like, yeah. we just we moved, so I didn't really see my friends. I mean, I went to junior high and high school, so like I had all new friends. And then the Mariposa neighborhood kids that I still hung out with, like 
Mark and stuff actually lived in North Hills. So <coughs> right. that was an adjacent neighborhood. So I never really went no. back to the I never I never spent once we left the neighborhood that I was like raised in, I never went back there, which was always kind of strange to me. And still sometimes I'll ride my bike over there or I'll go over there just kind of see what's happening and how, yeah. what's changed and always strikes me as kind of strange. I just never really I didn't have the like. I never had any reason to gravitate back towards it. I, it's so weird. I, I kept having reasons to gravitate towards that neighborhood because I had those friends throughout junior high and part of high school. After I graduated, um, there was a period where I was doing landscaping with with yeah, yeah. our uncle, and I had a friend, Brandon. Him and I are not friends anymore. <laughs> uh, he's a, a hardcore Trump supporter and kind of went off the deep end towards the right end of things. Anyways. Um, I used to go up there and hang out with him, um, and we worked together doing landscaping and whatnot. And then I lived in that neighborhood again at um, RJ's dad's house. Right, I remember uh, that. Yeah. Different part of the neighborhood, but still general, that one little hillside. And, uh, yeah, it was weird. I just kept having reasons to go back to that neighborhood. And every once in a while, when Andrew and I are down, we'll, we'll go for a drive in Brea, and we'll drive through it, and then every Christmas morning, I go for a run through that neighborhood. So that's like I ride my bike there on Christmas. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. In fact, we almost mm, we almost passed each other. I think it was not last year, the year before that. Oh, maybe. really? Yeah. I mm-hmm. remember that. So, who are you? <laughs> I am Adam Lawrence Gillanders. And how do we know each other? Uh, I am your younger brother. <laughs> By how much? Uh, about seven years. Six or seven. Of Delta of seven. Yeah. I was born in 76. You were born in 83. 83. March 19th. Yeah. Don't send me presents. Don't celebrate my birthday. Just, yeah. I mean, it's not really up to us. We celebrate something sometimes. I mean, you don't have to celebrate it personally, but people around you might still opt to. Well, that's like, I don't tell people at work where my birthday is and stuff like that just because. It just comes it, up on Facebook. Yeah, it comes up on Facebook. No, no, no. It, it, it did one year. You figured out how to turn it off? Yeah, because I had turned it off ages ago, and for some reason it popped back up, I think, last year on Facebook, and I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> I got rid of it immediately. How come you don't like to celebrate your birthday? I just don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, it's nothing against people who celebrate their birthdays. I don't have a thing against birthdays broadly. I mean, I celebrate my wife's birthday, and I celebrate my baby boy's birthday. Um, but for me personally, I just don't. I just don't think it's a big deal. I'm just not that interested in it. What's your earliest memory of mom and dad getting divorced? I mean, it could be dad sleeping on the couch for all I know. That that could be it. Um, I do remember them fighting. And I have a very, very, very vague memory of being at the Fullerton Courthouse. Oh, yeah. But it's, I mean, when I talk about it being a flash, I mean, it is like like a... a second memory, maybe a two-second memory of being there. And I don't really have much of a memory of, of, about it. It's like two seconds of me being there, and that's it. Yeah. That's it. No, yeah, that that, that happened. I can tell you that. Well, yeah. yeah th- I mean, that, that yeah. definitely was part of um, our reality during that time period. Uh, I have a lot of memories of it just because I was 12. Yeah, was I was going to say, you're significantly older so yeah and you know formative years and some of my stuff might some of my stuff might be um you know 30 years later might be like kind of uh misinterpreted or uh reimagined or whatever because of like conventional thought you know so like the person i am now interpreting memories from 30 years ago can change what the memories are yeah but 100 um but there a lot of it's pretty clear because it's like direct action type stuff like we had this sign that said um the Galanders family, 
and mom took it out to the curb and basically curb stomped it and broke it in half. Oh, shit. Yeah. Wow. And that hung in our house in Mariposa for years. I mean, it's, <laughs> as far back as I can remember. I mean, I remember moving, I actually, moving into I actually that think house. I have a vague memory of that sign. That was a big deal. Yeah. That was, dad really uh, was not appreciative of that. Um, and then I remember your grandmother, my grandmother, our 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 uh, paternal grandfather or grandmother who you loved and I had a lot of consternation about uh, treating our mother like absolute shit. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah, I have zero she, memories of that. Yeah, I mean, how could you? Right. Yeah. She really was terrible to mom <coughs> um, in a lot of ways. Um, and it sucks to say that um, only because I love her dad so much and, I, you know, I'd hate to, like, you know, stir anything up. But I just, I remember these episodes of, like, mom calling dad's office and at the time i don't know if you remember but grandma yeah worked, worked for at, yeah worked mm-hmm. for dad and she'd pick up the phone and basically act like a screen to keep mom from talking to dad even though it was like probably something that was important or whatever well, and then I mean, mom it, it hanging up been, the phone yeah. crying and you know yeah i think you know mom's whole situation at the time with you know basically everything she had kind of uh planned for set up for kind of disintegrating um right. just like those kinds of episodes really put mom over the top of stuff um and then I remember, I remember this one, this one time dad came over or something and there was, you know, the thing you probably don't remember as much and I remember pretty well are all these individual episodes of, um, like dad coming over to pick me up because the routine was, uh, every other Tuesday and Thursday and then every other weekend or something like that. Or yeah. every Tuesday, every other Thursday and then every weekend or every Tuesday and every Thursday and every it was, other weekend or something. I, I remember this very distinctly. It was every Tuesday we had dinner. Yeah. And then every Thursday we had dinner, and then it was every other Thursday. We spent the night. We just spent the night and stayed through Sunday. Yeah, stayed through Sunday. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, which, you know, in retrospect, was actually uh, kind of a lot. Like, yeah. uh, I've known lots of uh, parents <coughs> that have split, and, like, you know, w- one parent gets the kid every other weekend or every weekend. But that midweek stuff, like Tuesday night dinners. Yeah. Like going to Jack in the Box with Dad. Yeah. Because it was cheap on a Tuesday. Yeah. Pretty, um, pretty uncommon. I, yeah. Well, just, yeah, uncommon. But um, I think the one thing that I'm – uh, I'm not remorseful. Remorseful is not the right word. But something I've given consideration to is that I probably – at times in my life have used dad's leaving as a scapegoat or an entryway into saying that dad didn't care, wasn't as like involved. But the truth is like a right. schedule like that proved that dad actually did want to be kind of involved, you know, or pretty involved and yeah. probably didn't give him enough credit for that. You know? Yeah. I know that, uh, especially when, when you were in high school, I know a, a thing that you and mom, I would hear talk about was about how dad never came to football games. That yeah. was like the thing that was mm-hmm. used as evidence for that all the time for both of you. Yeah. Um, which and, I wonder and, sometimes and I bought it I was like sure. yeah sure that that makes sense dad's never here that kind of sucks you know what I mean like why isn't he coming to your games <laughs> well I'm not I'm not about to try to like um, about to try to like say that was justified I think it, what if you I, I can't speak for dad for sure but um, I would imagine part of it, his thinking was um, that's their mother's environment that's their mother's thing right i don't want to kind of walk into that and feel uncomfortable and stuff yeah absolutely you know being a father now i look at that and i kind of say fuck that like you go to where your kids are and you block out the shit around you you know what i mean yeah but i mean i can 
I can understand Dad's position too. I mean, things are so contentious between the two of them. Yeah, but that, not not, mm-hmm. not to justify anyone's actions at all. Don't get me wrong, but it seemed like I remember. I mean, th- that's why the weekend that they both came up to see me graduate oh, from, from UC Berkeley was so big for me personally. I know it was big for you too, but for Fuck. me, for, yeah. for me, it was gigantic because growing up, it was always like they just. They don't see each other. Yeah, like this is a thing. Right. Like they don't even fucking see a, a heel as they, they walk spend, in no, they out of the door. They don't you spend, know what I mean? Yeah, they don't spend any time in the in the same vicinity. No, like no. not anywhere near. No. That was just a thing. My and wedding. I never my wedding was the first time. Yeah. Really. Yeah, yeah. And even that was very. Uh, yeah. I remember weird. Dad walked up and said, "You know, congratulations, Jill," and shook her hand. Um, and my mom was really happy about that. She was like, oh, I thought that was big. You know, it was mom was in a really good mood that whole weekend. Cause I remember yeah. I, I came, I came with her Yeah, to Vegas. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, we got drunk and, and played video <laughs> poker and stuff. It was fun. Awesome. I, I remember her being just in a super good mood that whole weekend, but she loves the shit out of Sarah and there's a whole other slew of reasons, but I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if that was part of it. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> that, I mean, that definitely could have been, um, <clears throat> I just, I remember that being the first time since you know basically since i was 13 you know they kind of squared off yeah not squared off but like been in each other's space yeah, and yeah. had and had to have the confrontation like the moment of uncomfortableness right yeah. which you know for me like i don't fear confrontation like <laughs> i'm right. like never like i'm never the person that's uncomfortable with confrontation right so and I mean, that's not that's not to say that that's a good thing necessarily because it probably gets me in trouble sometimes but i'm just not afraid of it yeah um so to spend like you know, uh, let's see, it would have been basically 23, 22 years of having these two people that just would not kind of just get over it for the sake of their kids was like not understandable to me necessarily or not relatable, right? Like yeah. I just, that's, that's not how I would operate. If I got divorced today, the mandate would be, guess what? Now we're co-parenting and we just have to be civil to each other in the face of the kids and yeah. there's no other way to do this. You know what I mean? You have to have a willing partner to do that, but... Yeah, you know, for it, them, for them, it's just, it just, it just, like, I don't even think that conversation ever, like, came to be. You know what I mean? I don't think no. there was ever that, like, okay, this is our situation, this is now our reality. Now we have to kind of figure out a way to go forward. Yeah, I don't think that ever happened. No. I mean, uh, mom and dad have slash have their own personality traits that I think would kind of prevent them from really. Yeah, doing that <laughs> oil and water type thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, not just a matter of them not being very compatible personality wise. That's certainly true, but um, just they have their own personal kind of hangups. I mean, we all do, but I just don't think that they could have gotten over those for each other in any way, or for us. You know what I mean? In yeah. any real way. I think, honestly, I think really at the the point of which they just ignored each other. I think that was them kind of saying. This is best for the kids. Like for stalemate. Us. Yes, exactly. And yeah. and sometimes that's legitimate. And maybe it is in their case. I don't know. I've I've talked to dad about the whole reason they got divorced and their both of their histories and their relationship. And and dad was awesome. And he tried to be very like, you know, this is from my point of view. He was very kind of honest about that. Like, unfortunately, we can't ask your mom about some of the stuff. But this is like from my viewpoint. This is how it happened. And this is what went down. And whatever and whatnot um i mean that's fair of him to do that yeah totally um because i was very curious about about that especially i think obviously after mom died of course i was interested in that but even i think uh 
them coming up to see me graduate. I think that kind of uh, really sparked my interest in that whole thing because it was so interesting that they're even at your wedding, right? Like it just tension. And it seemed like there wasn't that much tension when they came up. It was so weird. It was like yeah. kind of, it was, it wasn't natural by any means. Don't get me wrong, but that tension wasn't there. That was always there when I was growing up and it was like, wow, this is really weird. Uh, why is it important that we're podcasting today? Um, cause today is the fifth anniversary of our mother's death. Yeah. Um, and that weekend in Berkeley was the first time I realized something was wrong with mom. Yeah. And it was because she was really having trouble walking and breathing up the hill up to the Campanile. Is it what they call it? Campanello? Campanola? Campa- <laughs> Campanile. Yeah. Campanile is the bicycle parts. Yeah. Uh, Campanile. <laughs> um, that part that goes past it up to where you were graduation was. Uh, yeah. We were just, just to the south of the Campanile. Yeah. And she was really struggling. And that's when I realized there was something happening that I wasn't totally understanding. And she wasn't either. And, you know, chalked it up to, you know, just not feeling well or, you know, there's, um, you know, she caught a bug or something and um, not really thinking too much about it. But um, it's strange, though, because the, on the same weekend when we kind of <coughs> put it together in our heads that there was the, there was not, not the first the same weekend as the first indicators that something was wrong with my with mom physically um, was the same weekend that it was the first time we'd ever seen mom and dad in a, a tiny room sitting across from each other. Yeah, that living room was small. Uh, your whole place was like <laughs> yeah, a, a shoebox. It was tiny. the size of this garage. Yeah. Um, it was a one-bedroom, though. Yeah, it was legitimate, a legitimate, legitimate one-bedroom. One <laughs> definitely, there was a door, and, yep. and you had to go through the door to get to the sleeping quarters. Yeah, exactly. Um, tiny little hallway. Tiny, tiny little hallway. My, yeah. Um, but that those two things kind of happened on the same weekend, I thought, was... I don't, you know, it depends on your level of, um, uh, um, I guess it depends on your own spiritual obligation to like thinking about, uh, you know, that things can be prescient, right. Or, um, right. happenstance or whatever, um, or fate or what have you. But I, I almost like, I've thought about that moment a lot as like, like the beginning of the end for our mother's life was the same moment that we saw our parents come together in a way we never had before a a way that you would almost definitely not remember because it's just too young for you in a way that like I have, I mean, I have a lot of really scattered good memories of mom and dad together. Right. And, um, like a lot of those memories aren't probably all that fabricated because like I lived through them and they're not thing, they're nothing that's, you know, um, remarkably over the top or flamboyant or, you know, super detailed or like, you know, extravagant in any particular way. It's just very concrete stuff. It's going to uh, grandma's house for dinner for Christmas in her apartment that was right by the orange mall. And that she had this particular weird tree thing she put out every year and just like this little stuff, like nothing, like nothing big or the trips to Idaho, you know, which were all the time. Yeah. Oh yeah. The road trip to Kansas coming, like I remember a lot about like that road trip in particular. I remember the one, this is part of the problem with being me is I forget nothing, uh, which, you know, <laughs> is good and bad. Yeah. But, you know, step by step, the road trip we took when you were barely like a few weeks old in Grandpa's Plymouth truck up to British Columbia and back. Like, yeah. I remember so much of that stuff. And those memories are really good. And that is a time. I have a, I have a very distinct memory of getting my diaper changed on the beach. It was beautiful. Really? No. No. <laughs> Um, is that a light in the mood? The reason, well, no, I mean, the, well, I don't necessarily think the mood is dark. No, um, no, no, I know. You know, we've tried to do this podcast before and it hasn't 
it hasn't always gone well. Um, well, the the first one we did about mom was brutal. I know yeah, that, that was fucking a, a, half the podcast was just me bawling like a fucking child. And and the recording didn't work, and so it ended, up, work, ended yeah. up we couldn't really post it anyways. But um, well, it's funny you say that the beach changing thing because um, actually my first um, which grandpa was that by the way was that Grandpa Glenn or our, our paternal grandfather? Yeah. Dad bought him a truck, and then Grandpa didn't want it. It was a Plymouth truck, so Dad threw a camper shell on it. I literally rode in the back. Um, our mom rode in the back with you, and I rode in the front. I mean, it was so. Oh, that's so sketchy. <laughs> it was so, and this is, and you know, a lot of what we're talking about is, quite frankly, the by, the byproduct of two very young people getting married and having yes. children. Yes. Um, and living a little bit reckless and um, not gypsy like necessarily, but our parents were definitely. Um, not cemented anywhere. And, yeah, well, we know. grew up going on a lot of road trips. And well, I think I think I think more stuff. than that. I think it was just kind of a. Um, I think it, it was it was a it was a byproduct of who they kind of were as people, right? Like, um, dad was dad was wonderfully adventurous. Mom yeah. loved to be with her family on the road, um, yeah. and kind of the the things sort of all together created. Um, created you know these these uh, opportunities to go and do this kind of stuff but um yeah the earliest memory i have you didn't ask me my memory but i'm gonna share with you anyway oh that's fine i was going to eventually but we kept kind of going off i i uh, I, my earliest memory and this has stuck with me i mean i've thought about this day three or four times a week since since it happened probably um you know as weird as it'll sound so when i was um there's a picture of it, and that's probably part of where some maybe some memory recreation happens. But yeah, it is sure. so it is so clear in my head. I really have it, and I've thought about it so many times that I have a real problem with um, thinking that it didn't actually happen. And whenever I'd ask mom about it, mom would tell me the story. And mom was an adult when it happened, obviously, so it would be in my mind if she created the memory for me, it's still probably pretty accurate to what happened. But right. um, I was at the beach. Dad was holding my arms or my hands, and I could barely walk. And a, and like white whitewash came in like off of a wave. And knocked me down, and I went underwater, and I remember the fear because fear is oh, yeah. a big um, instigator of memory, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> so um, when that happened, I was absolutely terrified, and I remember my mom and my dad, both our mom and dad, both grabbing me and pulling me up out of the water. I was like face down, like you know, choking on water because you know you're like one, right? Right. <laughs> and um, taking me up to the beach and then drying me off with a towel this blue and green towel and i just remember like mom's hands on my head like w- like drying my hair yeah. you know what i mean I, I can like i could feel it you know and um i have i still have the picture um in the basement of me in the towel but it's just it's like something i've, I've never forgotten yeah um, i want to see that eventually yeah you'll see it i'm sure because we have to start going through that, that mm. stuff eventually no. um <clears throat> but yeah no I, I i that's that's my earliest memory and um yeah that's i mean that would make sense yeah <laughs> yeah totally pretty frightening yeah totally yeah. um but it was just you know again mom and dad just like um and that sort of quasi gypsy reckless kind of lifestyle sort of like hey here's our one-year-old let's try to walk with them in these waves and then you know up, fell down you know what i, I mean can't, just... i can't imagine doing that with baron right right <laughs> and, no and, and um, i freak out about taking him in like a calm lake in the mountains sure. and i'm like when i'm holding on to him i'm almost like like yeah. i don't want to i'm trying not to crush him because i'm holding him so tight right you now <laughs> no yeah totally but um 
yeah, I mean that's 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 my earliest memory at all. I just I but I still have quite a few you know what I would call pretty pretty good memories of of mom and dad together. Um Yeah, see, I have zero of those. Yeah. I have I have absolutely zero memories of them being together and happy in any in any capacity at all. Yeah, I don't even like I truthfully, like I can't even remember <laughs> anything that I would look back on and go, "Oh yeah, they were happy." Right. But I have a ton of um I have a a, a ton of just stuff we were doing. So it could be going to get a Christmas tree and then going to Flo's Cafe to eat. Like, I remember these oh, things. Oh, Flo's. Yeah. Oh, I remember Flo's. Yeah. I mean, like, Is I just... still there? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Chino, Chino Airport. Chino Airport. Yeah, it's, yeah. Still, it's still there. Hell yeah. Um, but I just, I have all of those things still that I've just kind of cataloged for myself. And I think it's good. Um, I think, like, it's weird because... One of the things I think about a lot about is with mom not being here anymore and how hard that's been for me and a lot of like what has gone on with me as a, as a result of like dealing, not dealing with it really, but having to work through it or whatever is the, um, the rate of which the memories that are good start to kind of slip away because of the rate of how fast life accelerates, right? So. Right. Five years has gone by like that. Yeah. Like it seems like yesterday mom died. Yeah. Um, it's not been, not taken very long. So, and, and what, what, <coughs> what I feel like is happening. And I, I think like I've read stuff that says this is just a normal sort of um, byproduct of life and having kids and a career and stuff is, you know, time doesn't just get faster, but it, the, the, the fastness accelerates, right? So it feels right. this fast this year, but next year it's going to feel faster on yeah. top of that fastness, you know? Yeah. And, um, mom's you know mom's death came at a time for me where you know uh, i had one kid who was um four you know and then another one who was a year and a half and um you know like it comes at a time in my life and i'm building my career and all these things are happening and it comes at a time in my life where everything's really already accelerating and i just feel like as life has like taken on this new sort of like renewal for me or like evolution or whatever of all these things I'm into now and doing. Um, my big fear is like losing that part of my past that was most accurate or most, uh, not accurately, but most, uh, most tethered to like experiences with my mom. You know what I mean? So yeah. I feel like I'm replacing some of that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I think that's just a byproduct of, of memory in our brains in general. But I don't want to do that. Well, of course not. <laughs> I mean, we don't, we don't think about this it when growing up, right? Like we yeah. get into high school and then we start losing memories of elementary school and junior high. We start replacing some of those memories with other memories. And uh, that's not a big deal for us because a lot of those memories are just kind of background bullshit and they're being filled up with more background bullshit it's the important stuff obviously that we don't want that to happen to and that's why we get so upset yeah but unfortunately that's just how our brains work you know what i mean i i'm i feel that too with with mom i mean and unfortunately it's uh, because of how i was growing up and as a teenager i don't have a lot of like really super positive memories with mom yeah, unfortunately yeah, yeah. i have a lot of negative memories with mom with which, I mean, fucking kills me, of course, because the only thing I want to do is remember the good ones. And I, I'm a pretty honest guy. I'm pretty honest with myself. And uh, I know that 
remembering only the good and not the bad is, I mean, that's just unhealthy, right? That's just not good. It's not realistic. Um, but it's really hard to get away from that pull to want to forget the bad and remember the good. But unfortunately, it's it's a lot of times when I think about experiences I've had with mom, not just thinking about mom, but thinking about my memories of mom, like me and mom, like our road trip to Oklahoma and stuff like that. A lot of that stuff's negative for me, yeah. unfortunately. A lot of that stuff is. Not only did mom and I fight a lot, <clears throat> um, and I do, I mean, I have, it's not like, I'm making it sound like I don't have any positive memories of the mom. I do, and I have those, and I keep those, and they're nice. But because of the fact that there were so many overwhelming negative associations I had with mom, those are like kind of the first things I'd go to mm. when, I, when I think about experiences that with mom. That must be difficult. It's extremely difficult. It's really, really, really fucking difficult. And especially those first couple of years after mom died, that was incredibly, incredibly, incredibly hard. And it made me kind of a terrible person to be around because of that. It wasn't just me losing my mother and having to deal with, I mean, we talked about this in the last podcast. I think I can talk about it without crying now, but um, dealing with the fact that you feel like such a fucking child, you feel so, so childish and not, not like you're such a child, but when your mom dies, the only thing you think is I want my mommy. Like, it's like Tell those it's literally those words would go through my head. Not just like I want my mom, I want my mommy. Like truly like you are reverting back to a child. Yeah, I had a day I had a day on when I was driving up the fifty five freeway after work when I was at United Way and um I literally just had my music up and I was screaming, I want my mom. Yeah. Like in the car. Yep. <laughs> I had know? I had a lot of days. Not thinking like, like I want my mommy, but like I was having that like the reverb, like that um that kind of reunification with my childlike self. Like yes. thinking I just I want my mother. That's you know? yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I'm yeah. talking about. A hundred percent. And then, like melding with myself as a seven year old or something. Like, yeah, totally. You know? And yeah. it's funny because I you know, I I see sometimes I see Baron um Baron is my son. <laughs> My beautiful little boy, year and a half. He's pretty cool. Yeah, he's the fucking best ever. Um, I see him. He calls for dad a lot, like almost all the time, <laughs> which is pretty awesome. And he doesn't call for mom that much. And, and it'll change. That that bugs that bugs my wife a little bit sometimes. But it's always when he's distressed. He never calls for me when he's distressed. It's always mommy. And it's so funny because every time he does it, I feel my heart drop and I feel that instinct to want my mom um, as well. It's, it's, it's hard. It's really, really hard. I feel like that's one of the things that I don't want to say I worked through, but five years on, I mean, maybe I'm at a different place than I was dealing with it the first two, three, four years, you know, where I don't have that feeling as much as I have um, – I mean the one the one thing I've carried with me through this, and it's, um, I did a little tweet thread about this the other day because I was thinking about I just was plugging my podcast and I was thinking about um, just kind of like why I do this and stuff and the archival purposes of like <coughs> talking to people I love and people I'm friends with and you know people who are important to me is really important to me because like I am by my nature sort of an archivist right so it's not about stuff it's about experiences and like that's where the memory thing is like a big deal for me right. and, like i don't forget anything and um you know uh, one of the things i was i was um 
I was thinking a lot about was um, it's it's the the grieving process for me with mom is has moved into a different space where I've had it. This has been this way the whole time, but it's really taken a step above my own personal grieving, and that's the grieving for my kids, right? So the right. fact that they don't have Grandma Jill. <sighs> that's a whole... And that you, for that's that, yeah. a whole different thing. Yeah. It's yep. like another level thing, because, you know, Max, Max will, my four-year-old will never... Or four, he was four when, when my mom died. As a four-year-old, he only has a couple of memories of my mom, and he tells the stories all the time. But it's good, yeah. because he keeps them fresh in his mind. He always talks about them and, and um, you know, stuff like that. Um, you know, my daughter was one and a half, so she literally has no memories. But both of them, independently of each other, talk a lot about Grandma Jill, and they talk a lot about wanting to see her. And like even today, Sophie, and she doesn't realize today is the five-year anniversary of, of her passing, but we're driving to go to lunch, and she goes, what would you rather do, ride a horse or have Grandma Jill back? And I mean, it's just a six-year-old being silly, right? And it's just right. like, and everyone in the car is like, and Sophie included is like, um, well, have Grandma Jill back, of course. But, right. you know, Sophie doesn't realize like kind of like, today's maybe not the best. It's not even like, it's not even something you're going to get angry about. But it's just like, oh, uh, even, if she, today. even oh. if she did realize she's, you know, it's six. Just, and, right. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But um, the counterbalance to like my uh, my grieving over not having my mom um, is my energy is more focused. Sometimes it feels like on these missing experiences that my kids don't get to have with her. Right. right? I mean, when someone's, when someone's passed away, it's hard to say, um, Oh, you're missing out on things. Cause I, I don't, I, I feel like it's, that's, that puts you into a strange sort of like a fourth dimension trajectory, like where you're, you're headed into this space where you're talking about, Oh, you're missing out on so many things, but the person is, yeah, exist, you're, so you're playing, hard. you're playing counterfactuals. Yeah, yeah. totally. And, but, what's you know so so what i have what's tangible in front of me are my children right? right and so to them i say fuck you're like literally missing out on the greatest grandmother of all time yeah you know the 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 you know pretty much the top of the scrap heap in terms of like what you would want a grandmother to be and you're not getting that experience and that's that's unfair you guys are robbed yeah. you know what i mean so i've it's strange because i just and i don't feel guilty about that as much as i feel like like a settling in. Like right. I miss my mom. I miss her every day, every hour. You know, not a not an hour goes by where I don't think about her. But a lot of the times the context now is Baron is the first person born with our mother's blood. Yep. And he'll never know her. Yep. And then I have a uh, a daughter who is becoming this pretty magical creature <laughs> on her own. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty badass. <laughs> she's pretty badass. <laughs> um and uh I think mom would be just over the moon about how she's developed. You know, oh, as, as, dude, are you as kidding a, me? Mom, mom would be fucking hyped on. So yes. I mean, no matter what, she would be. But I right. think I think she would be particularly stoked about right. Sophie. And you know? and then you got Max, who Max is is an amazingly creative, loving, just awesome kid. And I really think my mom and Max had a special connection. I, I, yeah, I think so too. One of the things that um, I have never felt pain reverberate through my body, like emotional pain. Um, in a way, like I felt it when I had to tell Max that his grandmother was dead. So when I when I walked out to the car <laughs> to to tell Sarah, because yeah. she she drove to meet me because I, you know I, I I was you know I was at mom's apartment and I texted Sarah yeah. and I said you have to come like now and she brought Max or Max was with me and she she had to come get Max because Max actually went with me because she was he was supposed to stay at grandma's yeah I remember that um, and I had to walk back out to the car. And kind of take Max aside and tell him. 
and the whale that he like 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 excavated from his body was so um so sort of uh i don't know what the word is uh, raw yeah raw but i mean that's yeah raw but i think it, it there's more there's more to it than it was it was this this thing that like it was literally seeing someone on the inside out right it was right. like it's literally truth it was like the the epitome of truth it was just it was just someone's soul like yeah. laid open yeah, 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 right? yeah. And absolutely the way he the way the noise he made and the way he put his head down and like put his hands up to his head um i've never i've never experienced anything like that in my life and i don't think i ever will like yeah it was just and and so like i sometimes think about like the traumatic nature of that for him because it's been such a big deal to not have grandma jill around and i mean maybe that's because we talk about her so much and we you know we we honor her every day pretty much um but i think for him there's like a trauma there that's very real but that visceral sort of state that he was in for just moments i mean just moments like you know 10 15 seconds of this and then what that did to me um was very kind of foundational to how I dealt with the grieving about this whole thing and how yeah. I dealt with the kids reaction to it. Yeah. You know, that's been very real. For me. <clears throat> I can't it, it, like it's so every time you've talked about this a few times with me, the, the experience of, of telling Maxwell and not a lot, but a few times the last time we tried this podcast, a couple other times we've talked about it and that just makes me want to cry. Just the, the thought of, of doing that i mean i don't know it's just is it because he's such a rad kid you just wouldn't want to see him hurt like that or just like, no it's not that i mean he is a rad kid <laughs> and, I don't, and i don't want to see him hurt of course because he is he is pretty fucking awesome he's pretty amazing um no it's just having to like you said having this i mean i don't believe in the soul but uh, having for lack of a better way of phrasing it to see someone's soul from the inside out like that is is not it's not really something I, I kind of pride myself on truth and really being honest and open. I mean, my whole relationship with Andrea is built low and hundred percent on that. That's just how I am with people. It gets me in trouble a lot, but the idea of like really truly seeing someone's soul from the inside out is you just, you don't want to, I don't want to, you, you just that. don't want to. I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't know if I want to see that for the positive or the negative. Right. right? Yes, exactly. So it's like, exactly. I don't yeah. think, I, I don't know if I want to be engaged in that. I mean, part of me says, you know, I really love the genuine authenticity of, of a person's, um, actual emotional reaction to the things happening around them. Yeah. Because to me, that's, it's genuine. Authenticity is more important to me than probably any particular yes. characteristic in people. I mean, I don't even like altruism as much as I like authenticity. Yep. Same here. Um, and so, you know, when something's that, um, something is that authentic and something is that sort of, um, it's just different level. Yeah. It's yeah. a completely different level. It, and I, mean, I just can't remember someone being that vulnerable with me ever. Because <laughs> to be, to be like a hundred percent authentic is, is not really possible yeah, except tough... for those moments. I mean, we all put on a face when we go to work yeah, every day. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we, we, all, we all put on our face no matter how honest we are with sure. ourselves and the other people around us. There is always some degree of a wall there. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't have to be outright deception, but it's always no. like a force field sometimes. The, the thing that, that really kills me is um, having seen mom with your kids yeah. and Baron never getting that. That yeah. That kills me on a fairly regular basis. Yeah, that's right. Um, 
and the wives had to kind of talk me through it sometimes here and there because I'll just have I'll have total breakdowns about it. Um, and it's interesting. I have the same thing where before Baron was born, it was very selfish. I am a child and I don't have my mother. Um, and since Baron has been born, it's a little different. It's shifted a little bit to where I think, I mean, you're just never going to know my mom. So do you think that's helped you grieve? Um, no, I don't think it has. I think that, I think I just grieve differently now. I think that's all there is to it. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that's that's similar to what I was saying earlier, where it's it's more, um, you know, and I have to, I have to like be totally honest. Like, um, you know, I was down here in the thick of it, right? So when yes. it was going on, and my kids were already born, so right. it's it's more of like a migration into a different space, you know, than anything else. Um, it doesn't like it's it's funny because it's it's. <laughs> It's weird because when someone someone really close to you dies, and I don't think it's fair to call it unexpected. Well, yeah, actually, maybe it is fair to call it unexpected. I mean, there was 143 days from from Fourth of July when we really knew something was wrong the day she died. So it's 143 days, and um, in that 143 days, which is three and a half months, um, right? Yeah, three and a half months. Um, wait, no, no, yes. Wait, no, it's four, no. four and a half months. Four and a half months, yeah. Yeah, it's July it's July 4th to, to November 23rd, so it's four and a half months. Um, that, yeah. whole, that whole sort of, like, each individual sort of milestone, like, as shitty as they are, and, I, like, I remember all of them, like, MRIs and doctor's appointments and the time we found out she was, it, that this was going to kill her, and we were at the doctor's in Santa Monica, and then we had to spend three hours in traffic coming home, and I had to go do soccer practice after that. Um, coach, yeah, it was... Uh, a lot of those like sort of milestones um, are the kind of memories that like you know you don't want to have, but are all an important part of the process. But um, as fast as everything went, one of the you know uh, what a lot of people would tell you like in this very short period of time, and then when she died was um, you don't miss her any less over time, but you'll start like feeling more reconciled to it, right? And like I yeah. that it, that is true. I mean yeah. that happens, right? So like when I woke up when I went to bed last night, like I talked to Sarah, I was like you know. And Thanksgiving was great. It was cool, you know, had a good time. Um, you know, but tomorrow I went to wake up and like this is like the date, right? So just is what it is. Um But not a lot of trepidation this year. Like not a lot of, oh gosh, I'm I'm you know, I'm totally f- afraid of my feelings tomorrow. <clears throat> you know, more um it's important to to honor and mark the day as I would any year. I mean, in the same kind of ways that I would any time. But that it's it is becoming more of a day on the calendar, um, and and that's why your birthday thing earlier was so interesting because a birthday is just a day on the calendar. It comes once every three hundred sixty five days a year, and and it's it's you know it's nice and fun. I, I celebrate mine in the way most forty two year olds with like wives and kids do. It's like you know cool. We're gonna go out to eat something. <laughs> and like right. great, it's my birthday. Woo, okay, yeah, we're yeah. done. You know, it's like not you know. It's not that exciting. Maybe when I maybe when I hit fifty, it'll be more of an exciting experience. But um, you know, it's not that it's not that relevant or important, right? Other than it's a day on a calendar that you know is coming, and, and you'd come, and you know that's it. Um, and it's not it's not to that level yet, but it's certainly like shifted into this um, this new sphere of like um, it's not. I don't. I didn't wake up today like sobbing. You know, I didn't wake up today crying. I didn't wake up today you know, flooded with all these conflicting emotions about coulda, woulda, shoulda, or why did this happen, or why didn't she, you know, take better care of herself. Like, I, years past, it's really been like that. 
And this year it was yeah. more it felt like it felt like the national holiday that that is on the calendar all year long that you like like a veterans day or something. It was just right. this is the day you do this honoring, you know what I mean? And right. that's kind of more more how it felt. And I, I don't really feel guilty about that cuz people warned me that that was that is what would start to happen. Yeah. My thing is like if I start to dwell on it too long. Yes. That's when I get trapped. Yes. I can't think about mom or this day coming up or anything like that for more than uh, a, a minute tops. Yeah. If I go over a minute, it starts to get me. And I, I still have breakdowns, you know, you know, fairly, I would say fairly often. I mean, once every few months, yeah. you know, we're all, uh, I work in the milk box at Trader Joe's, which is thankful because I'll be back there by myself typically when these things happen. And I'll be listening to music, yeah. Um, and some song will come on that either reminds me of mom, which isn't that typical. I only have a couple songs on a couple playlists I listen to that I like that, but things that um, strike a chord within me, and they they hit that that direct chord, and then I'll just have a small breakdown if I if I if I go down that road. A lot of times I just change the song and, and shrug it off and, and keep going because. That's how you get through life, unfortunately. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you can't always give yourself the time to to feel those things. Um, I got to think but. it's probably been a good four or five months since I cried about mom. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. I had a bad one um, two months ago, and I was thinking about this day coming. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, now when I think about it, I think about Baron, and there's a yeah, whole... Yeah, it's a new context. Yeah, it's yeah. a new context, and there's a whole other slew of things that go into it. It's sure. not purely about me losing mom anymore. It's It's got all this other stuff kind of involved. And there's a whole memory aspect of it, too. Right. Like, Andrea and I were talking about it the other day, how um, her and I have a, at least I feel, and, and I, we talked about it, she feels like this as well. We have a really solid marriage we fit really well together as people. Um, and that first couple of years after mom died, I didn't actually realize this. So we talked about this the other day. So uh, last week, two weeks ago, and last week, um, doesn't matter how I was a different person. Well, yeah. I mean, how could you not be? Um, I mean, 2015, I basically had a total mental breakdown. I mean, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, I don't know how you don't, you know. Yeah, but it was like even she was saying like my mannerisms were different. Literally everything about me was different. It was like I was a completely different person. And that was a stressful time. I and mean, when we moved back down here to be in your family thinking it would help, I mean, it honestly just I don't think anything helps in that case. Um, time. Yeah, time, exactly. I mean, it sounds it. so, it sounds so it's like. so fucking cliche. But, it, but <laughs> you know, cliche, but it may be true. Yeah, right. It, right. Well, cliches are a cliche for, for some some grain of truth, right? Sure. In in all those cliches. It's that's the thing I always talk about with people when I talk about like what it's like to be a dad and and to have a kid. Oh, they're all the cliches are true. I'm like, <laughs> Every single yes. one. And I that, think I told you that. And that's the thing I've that told I you tell that several people. times. They're like, yeah. oh, what's what's been the most like interesting thing, the most surprising thing? And I'm like, how it, literally every single cliche every you hear your entire life is completely true. Every single one. <laughs> every there's single no, one. Of them. There's no exception. And it's really weird because I've never found that with anything to be true of anything. Where every cliche it's, about a thing is true with parenting, like no, every cliche no, I've heard no, is true. true. Yeah. No, true. How would you describe our relationship? Um, I don't know. 
I've uh, I haven't really thought about how to describe our relationship in a long time. I think that it used to be very uh, contentious. Oh yeah, and formal at the same time. So one of my shittiest memories is. Oh, here we go. This is gonna be good. <laughs> one of the um, one of the shitty aspects about parents uh, divorcing that um, is a cliche. That's true, probably. Um, and probably doesn't happen in all circumstances, but happened in ours is the parentification of the older children, right? So, um, right. so I'm seven years older than you, right? Yeah. So I essentially went through a lot of my early years as an only child, and I was, you know, I was mom's and dad's baby boy until you came along, right? Yeah. And so seven years is a big stretch. And had to come in and fuck it all up. No, no, I don't think so. <laughs> if anything, it's better. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't. Obviously, I don't have any regrets over having a sibling. It's, it's good. I'm, I'm glad. Um, because it just makes you a better person, I think. But um, the uh, when mom and dad got divorced, and so I was in high school, so let's say I'm 16 or 17, and you're like 9 or 10 or something. I remember this one time, you were being really mouthy with mom, like really mouthy in one of the apartments we lived in. Sounds about right. Yeah, it was right. Um, and I gave you so much shit about it, like in your face, pointing at you, <coughs> you know, how dare you talk to mom like that, like all this kind of shit, right? Not that I was any kind of perfect angel either, but um, but I was trying to like kind of keep Significantly better than I was. Yeah. Um, and dad came to pick you up. And what I remember is dad pulled up to the walkway to pick you up. And I remember you getting in the car, slamming the door and screaming at the top of your lungs, like in anger and frustration and yeah. stuff. I actually think I remember this. Yeah. And... That is something that's really stuck with me because, um, and that memory is 100% accurate. Like, there's no, there's no, there's no paving over that and rebuilding something. Yeah, it was apartment, uh, was it 84? It was, it was on the ground level in yeah, that we had driveway. The dr we had the drunk above us. Uh, it played drums. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so I think back to those days and i think about contention's a good really good word to describe it um and i think that like we uh unfortunately were the products of the environment that our parents created for us yeah um and so that's where our relationship got you know me being seven years older um the parents being divorced mom and dad being the kind of people they are <laughs> um created like a really tough place i'm extremely grateful that now our relationship i feel like is really really good yeah um, like you're one of my best friends for sure, if yeah. not my best friend. Um, and I feel like that that's, but that took a long time to put back that together. That took a very long time. Yeah, because we even as adults had times where we did, wouldn't talk to each other. Yeah, absolutely. But that's not unusual for me in general, man. I had, I mean, this is obviously obviously something I feel very guilty about, but I had long periods where I wouldn't even talk to mom. Yeah. I mean, it, but I, I feel like that most most of what we're talking about Yes, we're products of everything that you spoke about. It's all 100% true. But I think a lot of that comes from my personality. I honestly, I take, when I think about those things, I take the majority of the lion's share of the blame for those things because of the type of person I am. And I get that. I know the type of person I am. I'm not easy to get along with. I'm very blunt, very upfront. I'm a hell of a lot less selfish than I used to be, but it's still a fairly selfish individual. And I I kind of like to be alone. 
Like, I don't have a ton of friends. Uh, Andrea uh, gets upset sometimes because I make friends very easily, but I never hang out with people because I like being by myself. And I even get that. I, there's a, a lot of guilt I get about that with Baron, too. Well, I, I mean, that's not dissimilar, <clears throat> totally dissimilar from me. I mean, I, my, no. my, my group of friends is <laughs> it's microscopic. Um, I think the difference is, yeah. is how, you, how you handle... The, the one place where I've, I've, and I think you know this could be derivative of the fact that I had more conventional childhood than you do with like two parents at home and things like that or whatever. But learning how to deal with, um, you know, conflicted feelings or negative feelings about other people, right? So right. like I don't have to cut people off completely. I don't. I just you know, just kind of let things work themselves out a lot of the time, right? right. I had a friend the other day who wanted to have a talk with me where he was. <coughs> Um, he wanted to make a couple of points to me about something that a conversation that we had had um, that he wasn't excited about and I, I was like okay and then you know I just you just have those conversations and then you just kind of work through them and say okay that's fine but there's not there's not a confrontation that has to result that you know ends up like you know fragmenting things or something you right. know, there's like to me that's kind of um, it doesn't that doesn't have a lot of purpose right, um, right. so I think it's actually more less about um, appreciating, you know, solitude or uh, discounting superficial relationships because I on the both of those things too. Yeah, and I think it's more about how we deal with, um, uh, you know, how we deal with. Uh, I mean, how we interact with the world around us in like a more productive way, which I'm not saying you don't do, but I'm just saying like when you when you describe like. Oh, I'm hard to get along with, and um, you know I don't have a lot of friends and stuff. I, I mean, that stuff's normal. I mean, what's not what what is we, what I think we all should try to um, you know be conscientious of, and myself included. This is not about you. This is about the state of like you know being an adult or whatever. Um, it's just really we should all, and again, myself included, um, try to manage like fallout better, I guess, or like uh, yeah. Um, you know, uh, destructive feelings about other people better, you know, or, or, or even worse uh, neglect. Right. So like when you, someone's in your life and you just kind of like, man, you sort of toss things aside. Yeah. I, I think when I was younger, I think part of it was, um, that yeast shot, man. Oof. Yeah. Right. Man. God, it's so fucking good. Yeah, I, even nice. that old and losing that much of carbonation and mm, flavor, it's still it's phenomenal. So, such a good beer. <laughs> um, I think, <clears throat> I think uh, requiring solitude was a really big part of it for me because we shared a room most yeah. of our life. Um, mom didn't really leave me alone a lot. Um, she always was having me do something, like always needing to talk to me and stuff like that, until, unless she was like totally engrossed in her AOL addiction for those few years, but that's a whole different <laughs> conversation we don't need to get into. But even then, it was always like, do this, do that, do this, do that. And I'm like, I always felt like, motherfuckers, take care of yourselves. I'm going to take care of myself. Um, not to sound too much like bootstrappish about it, because that's not what I mean. What I mean is, I'm going to deal with my shit, you deal with your shit, and just leave me the fuck alone. And I never got that. I was never just left the fuck alone. But you don't, I mean, you don't get to make that decision when you're that No, age. of course not, but that's what I wanted. Yeah. And yeah, and it. those feelings are legitimate, whether or not I'm allowed to make that decision. Yeah. Um, those feelings are perfectly legitimate. And I think that that was 
the cause of how I reacted and lashed out about a lot of stuff because sure. instead of saying, okay, I get this, you're feeling this, I'm feeling this, let's figure this out, I had to have this conversation. It was like, I'm fucking done with you. Like I've yeah. fucking been around you all day. You feel this way, that's great. You go ahead and fucking deal with those feelings. I'm gonna go deal with my feelings and I'm gonna go deal with them over here. Yeah. And it was just, it wasn't a matter of not necessarily caring about how the other person felt, but that's how it came across because of that. It was like, we just we just need to go the fuck away so, for a little so while. My, my, and I'm still yeah. kind of like that to some degree. Like sure. it, when Andrea and I get in, into fights, I, it, sometimes I feel like saying, just go over there and deal with your fucking feelings. I'm going to go over here and deal with my fucking feelings. Not to say like any of our feelings are illegitimate, but let's just fucking deal with this on our own for a little while and then come back to it. And I think that's taken a long time for Andrea to kind of get used to because sometimes I have to do that. I have to be like, no. Well, everyone needs space, right? So that's normal. But I think as part I think, of the I partnership, in, you have to kind of come together. Well, of course. And, and we do. We're, we're pretty good about that for the most part. But sometimes I still kind of get like that a little bit. Um, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't remember the the stuff about mom asking you to do things like that as much. Oh, too like get me a Pepsi. God, that was oh yeah, that yeah. fucking that just, just that pissed me off. So, and that's one of those <laughs> negative the negative memories. Yeah, no, all the fucking time, yeah, and she yeah, drank yeah. so much Pepsi. She's like, go get me a Pepsi. Fucking get up and get it yourself. Why don't I getting you your fucking Pepsi? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it was, I mean, I know she gave me life. I should just be thankful and get her her Pepsi. But I also, I think, I think I, I, well, I don't think, I know for a fact that I, for a good amount of years, um, in my younger years, uh, held a lot against both mom and dad. For, against dad too? Yes. For, really? yes. But. I never saw that materialize. It, it, well, it, it manifests more with mom. Um, cause dad kind of left me alone for the most part. I mean, he kind of, when I was at dad's house, I kind of got what I wanted to a degree. I just kind of like, he just left me alone. Yeah. Because you were, um, challenging <laughs> right. and, and dad's perspective on it. And God, if he listens to this, he's going to be very sad that I'm talking about this. Um, but, um, I think in a lot of ways, dad's perspective was, um, yeah, I don't want to deal with it. Um, yeah, of course. Which <laughs> I can't blame him. I was so difficult to deal with. Yeah, and so that's that's one thing. Like in talking about the stuff that I keep thinking is, I keep thinking that you had a layer of trauma that had happened to you because of our parents' divorce was so messy. That Maybe. is really the result. I mean, I don't think a lot of this stuff is endemic necessarily to who you are as a person, as much as it is a product. This is the part where you're a product of your experiences, and your experiences well, yeah. as a child were very negative from the age of about four and a half on. Yeah. So well, and I think I think yeah, and maybe that has a part to play with what I was gonna say, which was that I, I held the fact that mom and dad gave me life um, against them for a long time. I mean, I was yeah. I was suicidal when I was a teenager. I mean, a yeah. lot of teenagers feel that way, but I was particularly well, I think you prone were, to those types of thoughts. Uh, well, yeah, and, and I and, deal and, with depression, right? You know? And the way I saw it manifest with you was the whole <laughs> um, very I don't want to say generic, but kind of like what you expect troubled teenagers to have, which is you know, my life is a waste. It's a waste of time. Like, why am I here? Like those kinds of things. Like I wish I was yeah. never born, that kind yeah, of stuff, of which course. is actually different than being suicidal necessarily. But, um, I definitely had the suicidal thing too. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's, that's, that's a conversation that I don't really want on a yeah, podcast no, 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 totally. because there's a whole 
section of my life in those years that you, mom, dad, just don't really know much about. Yeah. There just isn't. As I ran away a lot, and yeah. I spend a lot of time, as much time as possible, away from home. And when I was doing things out there, I was... Yeah. So... But, yes, I held a lot against them for, for, yeah. for giving me life um, in my teenage years. And so I felt like that was kind of this... I feel like they kind of unforgivable sin for me yeah. to give me life um, to a certain degree. And so there wasn't really much they can do to like console me in that way. It's just like, no, you fucked up. Yeah. I, um, it's, um, shifting gears just slightly. Um, I think it's really interesting, um, where dad's at now with life. Yeah. Yeah. Dad's changed a lot in the last five years. Five years. Yeah. So um, I was really, really surprised um, when dad broke down in front of me about mom dying. I was really, really profoundly surprised by that. He did it to me about a month ago. Started bawling. Couldn't even get a sentence out. Really? Yep. I don't remember exactly what it was we talked about, but um, I was trying to think of it as I was thinking about the podcast. Um about recording today. I was trying to remember what the incident was. I didn't want to bother him with it. Um, but there was something we were talking about specifically. We were, you know, dad's and mine's relationship is um, like light years ahead of where it was when I was a teenager, <coughs> um, where I had all the resentment towards him for right. leaving mom and everything else. Um, and little bullshit, like not showing up to sporting events or whatever that I was involved in. But right. um, um yeah, no, I, I uh, yeah, it was something we talked about, and he started absolutely choking up and started crying, and I was, and like I said, he didn't even get a sentence out about the topic before he was already in that place, and um, it just seems like he filled with regret. Probably, I mean, I, no, not regret for, for leaving. I don't think that's something he has. I think it's regret for spending so many years being contentious with mom and being distanced from the person who brought him two kids, right? So, yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of understanding of, of missed opportunity there to at least have civ not just civility, but actually probably a higher level of involvement in our lives or more more right. uh, material level of involvement other than just, you know, the kids come over and they spend the night and it's great and we play Nintendo and, like, whatever. Right. Um, but, like, a deeper... I'd be, curi I'd be curious to talk to Dad about that. I'm, I'm really... Yeah. I haven't... I, was, I think I was so taken back by how Dad reacted to Mom's death that... I have not wanted to have that conversation. Well, it's with a combination them. of that and him being sick. Yeah. Well, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Obviously. I mean, the two things. Like, I think yeah. I don't think you can pull them apart without no change, Dad. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh -huh. Absolutely. But even before Dad, Dad's Parkinson's was was clear and and you know started to take hold and whatever that. Even before we knew about that, I mean, things oh yeah, were, things were different for, for sure. Dad, for sure. Yeah. Hundred percent. And I'm, I I want to have that conversation with him eventually. Um, I feel like though we always have those conversations when we're climbing mountains, and so I kind of want to wait until we're climbing again. It's just like kind of something we do. I don't Dad's know why. That's not really going to be climbing much anymore. Uh, yeah, I know, not much, but I, I mean, he's hit a few peaks recently. He did Islip and and Sugarloaf and stuff like that. We're talking we're talking about doing something when we come back for our, uh, Christmas. I want to get with the boys. So. I want to get I want to get on top of Baldy one more time with him before. Yeah before he can't anymore yeah um and so we'll see but um yeah we should all do that we should uh, he's definitely in a in a different place um spiritually uh physically emotionally um than i've ever seen him 
Um, this is one of those uh, really instant, uh, interesting sort of instances of when you're alive and you hear about um, how much people change throughout the course of their life and how things, as people get older, you know, uh, they, uh, I don't know, change in these kind of profound ways, um, their perspectives on things. And I think that that's started to really happen with dad a lot. Yeah. And I'm extremely grateful for it. Um, <coughs> I think they're, yeah, they're positive changes, I think. They all are. Um, they come from a shitty place, <laughs> you know, but there are positive changes nonetheless. I think one of the things that um, I keep finding uh, out about dad more is um, I think dad's with all of the regret of how he handled the things with mom and stuff. I think he's seen you and I do okay in life, right? Like we turned out pretty well. Yeah. Like we have, you know, you know, relatively speaking, <laughs> functioning families and lives and jobs and everything else and yeah. as much as anyone could hope for or expect, I guess. And uh, I think for him, like thinking about his output in those terms, like, hey, I had these two kids and like they, they turned out pretty okay, has sort of um, give him like, given him not closure, but a sense of peace with like uh, our relationships. But I think part of his regret was... Um, and I, you'd have to talk to him about it, but my sense <coughs> is that what he has felt for a long time is that, you know, um, the way he managed all of those situations and managed his relationship with us was probably not, in retrospect, the best way. Right. Uh, and at the same time, um, we turned out okay. So, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. And I think he's really grateful for the time now. I, I know he is. He's extremely grateful now for the time that we that we spend with him and we see him because I think like the, between the Parkinson's and seeing I, it's actually the, the thing about the stuff about mom is not really, um, I, I think there is something there about, um, seeing how it affected me and, and what I had to go through. Um, but it's actually a, a genuine, um, authentic effect on him. Yeah. A lot he had to process. Yeah. I, yeah. And I'm really curious about that. Like I, like I was saying earlier, I'm really curious about the details of that, like why exactly? It, it, it's got to be more than just this was the mother of his two first children. You know what I mean? As as baby boys, um, I think it's a lot about regret. I think it's a lot about regret too. But I think there's there's got to be more to it than that as well. I, obviously, it's regret, but why regret? Right? That's that's important. It's not just that it's regret. It's it's what about this in particular is causing those feelings of regret? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, dad. Yeah. Dad and mom had a pretty fucked up relationship. Or they, they, they came into a relationship in a fucked up place about relationships, especially mom. I think we can both admit that mom's example of a relationship between Grandpa Thibodeau and Grandma Thibodeau. Um, yeah, not ideal. Was uh, profoundly less than ideal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, let's be, I mean, yes, but it, it, I think just for people who are listening, whose experiences with problematic families could be significantly even worse than what we're talking about. Of course, so of course. I, well, I mean, that, that doesn't make but any if you want, that but if you want, But if you want the stereotypical patriarchal sort of setup at home, you know, 
damn it, woman, make me dinner type thing. Oh yeah, yeah that's what she had to. That's oh, what she yeah. had to, as her guiding well, star on, uh, on what a relationship is. And I think we both know he was not just verbally abusive, but emotionally and physically abusive. Uh, I don't think he was physically grandma. abusive. I think he was. Uh, I don't think. I so. really think he was. Uh, I don't know. It's, I don't know. I can't say definitively yes or no, but I have no. I've never had any indication that he was physically abusive. Emotionally, yes, for sure. I think. I think Dad. Um, alluded to it in a conversation and i think that for me seeing grandpa the way he was before he died taking care of him for those months taking him yeah. to the treatments you know four or five days a week whatever uh, he was, was he was an angry guy fuck man he was he was a piece of fucking work he was and it's funny people react very because inter- i'm a very open guy and people will ask me about my family sometimes and they'll talk to them and, and yeah. they'll they'll ask me about my grandparents i'm like oh yeah he was a piece of shit well, well I, I'm, I'm pretty yeah. straight up about it i really feel that way about him yeah. i think he was a, a pretty terrible human being when it comes right down to it um and a lot of that is informed by those six months or whatever it was that I took care of. I mean, sorry, family, for having the pleasant memories of Grandpa. I've got some pleasant memories with him, too, but that's how I feel. I feel yeah. that he was a pretty terrible person. And I think our family... I think a lot of that comes from those those times where I was taking care of him because he talked about a lot of stuff yeah. and... The way he just reacted. No, to he things. was. A, I mean, he was a jerk to me. I mean, I was a lot heavier back then, and he called me fat boy a couple times. You know, <sighs> this is like when I was at the height of like my being out of shape in like 2002, 2003, or something. So this is you know a long time ago. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it. That's you know that honestly that whole thing about grandpa and grandma. It's like not shit. I want to pull apart. Like, and it's not because yeah. it's gonna make me. Uh, upset or or put me in like a difficult emotional state. It's, it's uh, this sounds even worse maybe than what you just said, but I just don't care. I mean, right. I just don't have any. I don't like have any time to do that. Or, like, yeah. What am well, I why do? why bother? What am I? Yeah. What yeah. am I gonna do? No, no. I totally agree. Uh, I totally yeah. agree. Which is why I've I've never tried to pick it apart any further either. And asking other family members, I wouldn't ask like my kids or Baron to try to figure out the relationships of their grandparents you know (laughs) what are you doing (laughs) at some point just like (laughs) hem the dam and just like stop it you know right Uh, yeah anyways any final thoughts um actually i i did have one Uh, i'm trying to remember i wanted to mention something is your band playing a show or something you want to plug yeah (laughs) uh so (laughs) We're come pl- see us down at the State we're, Fair. We're playing the Orpheum tonight. Oh, yes, if you'd yeah. like to come see some sweet, smooth jazz. Smooth jazz. Come see us at the Orpheum. Smooth jazz, you say, at the Morpheum. We'll be covering uh, punk rock tunes in the okay. guise of slow jazz. The key of F. <laughs> um, no, really, though, anything you want to add? Um, Miss Mom. Yeah, me too. I do too. I do too. But um, yeah, miss her a lot. That's never gonna go away. No, I don't think it can. Well, thanks for doing this, dude. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Yeah, I was I was worried about it because of the. Well, the first one was so brutal. <laughs> yeah, not not the most pleasant. And the second one was just shitty. Don't ever post that. Those both podcast. sit. Those both sit in a folder in my hard drive that I have saved all the recordings we've ever done. Yeah, but, uh, you are not allowed to post that. Second I'm not going to post that. You can you can post the first one, there, the sound quality and all, but it's just not going to be fun to listen to me cry for half the episode. <laughs> they are archival for our own personal indulgence. So yeah, to go back and listen to. Yeah. Um, but 
anyways, if you're listening out there, thanks for indulging us for an hour and 20 minutes talking about our lives together as brothers. Um, and uh, yeah, appreciate it. You can always find us at livingminimal.com where the other podcasts that I do, which aren't really up to date either, are posted. Uh, follow me on Instagram, livingminimal underscore, or on Twitter, Pathways David. That's where my job is. And don't forget to see us at the Orpheum on December 4th. The Orpheum. Sweet, slow jazz. Chuck Niles. <laughs> I miss Chuck Niles. Chuck Niles died in like 2003, but he was like my favorite jazz announcer of all time. Was he? People at home listening to this not, may not realize that I uh, am a jazz aficionado. <laughs> is, that, is that safe to say, you think? Uh, actually, yeah. if you follow yeah, me actually. on Instagram, you definitely know I'm a jazz aficionado. <laughs> Um, anyways, thanks everyone for listening. Really appreciate it. Thanks to Bill for mixing the episode and editing it down. Thanks, Adam, for being here. Thank you. Thanks to Ezra the dog for hanging out with us Bugging and bringing us the me. ball Hi. all the time. And uh, we'll see you next time.